Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our annual budget telephone town hall. We'll get started here shortly. My name is Scott Sinclair, MLA for Lesser Slave Lake and Parliamentary Secretary for Indigenous Policing, and I'll be the moderator for this evening's discussion. With us is President of Treasury Board and Minister of Finance, Minister Nate Horner. Minister Horner will host tonight's live and interactive telephone town hall discussion about Alberta's finances. Minister Horner, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Scott, and good evening to everyone on the line tonight. I appreciate you all taking time out of your evening to listen in and share your comments on Budget 2024. Yes, whether you are joining us by phone or online, your participation in tonight's town hall is much appreciated. When you have a question you'd like to ask, please press star three on your keypad and you will be transferred to a live agent who will provide further instructions. We will try to get to as many questions as possible this evening. For those listening through the live stream online, you can type your question into the dialog box and we'll do our best to answer those questions as well. Before we get into the question and answer portion of tonight's call, let's take a moment to set the stage and talk about why we are holding this town hall tonight. Minister, why don't you start us off? What are you hoping to get out of this evening's telephone town hall? Thanks, Scott. To all of you on the line tonight, I want to hear about the things that matter to you and your family and how Budget 2024 can support you and your communities. Let me just take a moment to share with you what we're already doing to build economic resilience in the province. Our government is working hard towards building prosperity now and for future generations. Your input is important, so we continue on the right path to keep our economy moving forward with more jobs and more investment. Our finances are on track, but we need to stay focused on making responsible fiscal choices so we continue to be Canada's economic engine. No matter what we face, swings in oil prices, high interest rates, or political uncertainty around the world, our government will continue to pursue, pursue growth in a responsible and sustainable way. Our most recent fiscal update shows this work is paying off. At the end of November, I reported that we are now forecasting a surplus of $5.5 billion for this fiscal year. That's a $3.2 billion increase from the forecast we made at Budget 2023. This is good news. One factor contributing to that is revenues from corporate income taxes. We have the lowest corporate income tax rate in the country, and this low-tax, pro-growth environment is attracting new businesses and investments in communities across the province. We're also blessed to have revenue from non-renewable resources supporting our province. Bitumen royalties are expected to boost our revenue by an additional $1.8 billion from budget. And overall resource revenue is forecast to bring in $19.7 billion this fiscal year. But as you know, the price of oil has been trending down. Our forecasters predict the price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate will be $79 per barrel this fiscal year. That's in line with what we forecast in the budget. But the price is expected to go down to $76 next year and $73.50 the year after. I'm not using this information as a scare tactic. I know a $5.5 billion surplus is a huge number to contemplate. But the surplus can quickly get eaten up if the government doesn't plan wisely with your future in mind.
For instance, we've already increased our spending in critical areas to support you and the programs and services you rely on. We directed $1.2 billion into fire and disaster response, much of it to keep Albertans and their properties safe during this past summer's unprecedented wildfire season. We've also earmarked more money for health to strengthen the health care system and to boost the health workforce, not to mention provide top-notch mental health care. And we're providing education and schools more funding for enrollment growth so students continue to have access to top quality teachers and learning. In fact, we've increased our expenses by 481 million over our last budget forecast. But I'd be lying if I said I don't lose sleep over the other pressures to our budget coming down the pipe. Even though we continue to pay down billions of dollars in debt, our debt servicing costs are rising and are expected to hit 309 million this year. Higher interest rates are the biggest culprit. That's a huge amount that I would much rather spend on supporting Albertans. We're also heading into negotiations this coming year for thousands of public sector workers. Their wages already account for a large portion of the government's budget, and we need to make sure we have enough in the bank to support any future contracts. All this means we have to remain committed to fiscal discipline. We must manage Alberta's finances responsibly, both when we see economic risks and uncertainty on the horizon, as well as in times of surplus. That's why we legislated a new fiscal framework earlier this year to guide how we spend and save taxpayer money. Half of any available surplus cash must be used to pay down debt. That means we expect to eliminate $3.2 billion in debt in 23-24. That should reduce the debt burden for you and the next generations. We also forecast we will deposit about $1.6 billion to the Alberta Fund. The dollars in that fund can be saved in the Alberta Heritage Savings Trust Fund, our province's long-term savings account, or they can be allocated to one-time spending initiatives that don't require operating expenses year after year. So that's a lot of background, but it leads us to why we're here tonight. I want to hear your ideas on where the government should focus the budget next year, are there projects needing one-time funding support that you would advocate for? What budget choices would help make your life more affordable? How can Alberta continue to attract investment, innovation, and new jobs to our province? How can our savings today be built up to help your communities, families, and children in the future? How can we ensure Alberta's economy is strong, not only now, but in the future, no matter what economic headwinds we face? We need to make sure we are building an economy that is resilient in the face of ups and downs. And we need to take great care of your dollars so everyone benefits from Alberta's prosperity and growth. With that, I'll throw the phone lines open to you. I look forward to speaking with you. Thank you for the introduction, Minister Horner. To all of our callers, if you'd like to ask a question tonight, please dial star three on your keypad to let us know you'd like to speak live on the call. You'll then speak to an operator who will provide further instructions. So without further delay, let's head to the phones for our first caller. Our first caller's name is Riley from Red Deer. And Riley had a great question that I'm gonna read out loud to the minister. Minister Horner, what can be done to help people with mental health and addiction? It is hurting families and our communities. 
Oh, thank you for the question, Riley. And uh, you're you're not wrong. We we see it every day. It's a it's a grand challenge we face. Um, I'd like to to bring us back to you know what was committed in budget 2023. Uh, you know, over a one billion dollar per year budget. Uh, we currently have about 155 million dollars uh, in the capital plan uh, for the you know develop design and development. Uh, for recovery communities. I know this is a top priority of, of the Premier and, and Minister Williams, uh, our Minister of, of Mental Health and Addictions. Um, they, they believe in taking this challenge uh, head on and believe that, um, you know, a recovery-oriented system of care is the real answer, the Alberta answer. Um, we're receiving a lot of attention from around the world uh, for our approach. And um, we want to make sure the spaces are available so that people can recover and, uh, you know, come out the other side of this challenge and, um, and provide, you know, meaningful, meaningful lives. So that's, that's our direction. We started it in, in budget uh, 2023, and my expectation is uh, it will continue strongly in budget 2024. Thank you for that question, Riley, and uh, thank you for the answer, Minister. Um, for those of us just joining online, I'm Scott Sinclair, MLA for Lesser Slave Lake. Um, I'm also the Parliamentary Secretary for Indigenous Policing, and I appreciate that last question from Riley. Um, I'm uh, an Indigenous, proud Indigenous member from Northern Alberta, so uh, any help um, that we can do on the government side to, to make sure we're helping people with mental health and addictions is a very important question to, to many of the people where I'm from. So we're... I'm here with Nate Horner, Alberta's finance minister, and we're talking about the province's budget. We're hoping to hear about your ideas on how to keep Alberta's economy resilient and how to use our finances to support Albertans. Just as a reminder, to ask a question about Alberta's provincial budget, just press star three on your phone to let us know you'd like to speak live on that call. If you're listening online, you can also submit a written question. Our next question is Anne from Edmonton. Anne, please go ahead. Yes, I am a senior and I'm just barely making it. What are we doing for the seniors now? Oh, thank you for the question, Anne. I appreciate you being with us tonight. Uh, so what are we doing for the seniors? Well, I can certainly point to, um, you know, some, some initiatives that uh, were in budget 23. Um, I can point to you know 693 million in our seniors drug program, uh, 476 million uh, in seniors benefits. Um, we've uh, and this maybe broadly, I'd speak to the other changes in budget 23 around uh, uh, protecting people, especially uh, vulnerable vulnerable people. We indexed most of the social uh, the major social programs, including uh, AISH. Uh, we brought out uh, affordability, affordability payments as part of our um, affordability program. It was uh, worth almost $3 billion, including the, you know, the payments around uh, the six $100 payments that seniors would have received. So that, would, that was definitely targeted um, at the height of this affordability crisis. I, I know it, it, uh, affordability is still a main uh, challenge in the province. Um, so I'd say... This has been a priority of our government. I expect that uh, Minister Nixon and his team will have a, 
a bevy of things to, to look at as we, you know, analyze budget 24 and the different assets of ministries. Uh, but I think um, it's, it's going to be important that we especially target the seniors that need help. I think, um, you know, we talk about people, you know, seniors gets talked about, uh, you know, fairly broadly, but I think it's important to focus on the seniors that actually need the help. Um, if you talk about, you know, speaking in, in in high level terms, you know, Alberta seniors are some of the wealthiest in the world. If you look at uh, look at them as a category at a high level, so I think all of our programming, it's important that we look and make sure it's focused on the seniors that that truly need truly need the benefits, and then we can make sure that they. Um, you know, actually, actually get the job done and provide that relief. So thank you for the question, Anne, and I'm sure it'll be um, given lots of consideration in our budget 24 deliberations. That was a great question, Anne. Uh, we appreciate that, and we can definitely say that uh, your Alberta government certainly cares a great deal about the people who help build and shape our, our wonderful province. Uh, we're going to move on to the next question. Um, this is going to come in from Amanda from Leduc. Amanda, you're live. Please go ahead with your question. Hi. Uh, to my understanding, there hasn't been a whole lot put into the Heritage Fund. I'm just wondering how much of that budget you're planning on contributing to that um, Heritage Fund, since you claim we have such a surplus. Thanks. Thank you, Amanda. Uh, great question. So maybe I just start with some some facts about the Heritage Fund. So currently, it uh, it sits at a, a fair value of net assets of 21.4 billion. Um, what what we did in Budget 23, um, we added 753 million dollars from the surplus, and then we changed uh, changed the parameters of the fund where it would actually retain its investment income, which is quite a change uh, considering what's what's been done in the past. In the past, it was inflation-proofed um, to protect itself against inflation, but then the rest of the investment income was pulled into general revenues and uh, spent on the various you know programs and services and needs of Albertans. So this, uh, for the first time ever, the fund will be kind of uh, free to grow. The way it works now with our our fiscal framework, I, I kind of touched on this in my opening comments, but um, whenever the province has a surplus, um, we look at the surplus cash um, and the entirety of the, of the $5.5 billion surplus won't be surplus cash, but half of the surplus cash has to go to debt repayment and that's, that's principal repayment. And then the other half, uh, what we call the the monies that will go into the Alberta fund, three things can happen uh, with that half of the Alberta fund. You can have further further debt repayment. You can invest in the heritage fund, uh, or you can invest in one-time priorities of Albertans that don't increase the operating line going forward. So as far as a, a cash investment in the heritage fund with this surplus, that is a decision that has yet to be made. Um, we kind of have, have to actually land the surplus. Right now it's forecast. Uh, but uh, if we get there, whatever number is in there, it'll be uh, uh, up to the Premier and Cabinet to decide how it's spent. Uh, but I'm sure the Heritage Fund will get uh, get much consideration around that conversation. Uh, but it's it's uh, if you look historically, the 
way the Heritage Fund has been invested in, it's been periodic. Uh, governments once in a while have, have thrown some money and it hasn't really had an opportunity to grow consistently. So I think the changes around the retained income uh, will make a, make a very big difference. Thank you, Minister. That's a good answer. And uh, thank you very much, Amanda, for, for, for a great question. Um, I know uh, when I speak to a lot of constituents um, back home, they're, they're very happy with our responsible way of, uh, of changing our fiscal framework, just like Minister Horner said, to make sure that we are uh, paying off some debt with any of the surplus money. But uh, I wouldn't be doing my job if, if, as an example if we were to do one-time uh, spending, spending some uh, infrastructure money up in northern Alberta on some highways. And uh, I'm sure he's not listening, but if Minister Dreeshan was, for some reason, Highway 88 could definitely use some of that extra surplus money. But all jokes aside, a uh, big thank you to everyone. Uh, that was a great question. We're going to move on to the next one. It's from Gail from Edmonton. Uh, Gail, you're live. Please go ahead with your question for Minister Horner. You know, in, in Alberta, as in uh, globally, we are facing uh, wildfire season, and, and I look and there's not very much snow, and I know it's so if we don't get more snow, that's going to be a problem. But the thing is, with the wildfires, I'm wondering how much of the budget will be put into things like forestry so we can actually maybe hire crews, you know, that are, are uh, Albertans to go in, do some culling of uh, some of the dry growth, not all, but also build the infrastructure for, for the roads going into some of these towns, by reserves and, you know, looking at uh, Fort McMurray, their exits, and continuing with the education. But I, I think in there I'd like to see money for research, uh, for wildfires, uh, uh, forestry crews that are doing what they should do according to their science. And uh, I think those are really important areas, not just for us city dwellers, but we, we human beings care about people, you know, in outlying areas too, and I should mention I'm First Nations, but that's why my concern too for you know reserves as well in this. Oh, thank you very much for the question, Gail. And and you're not wrong. The the our our forecasters. It looks like a a dry a, a dry warmer than average uh, winter, and and not much is going to change. Uh, in the rest of 24, that's the expectation. So currently, and I, I was the forestry minister for uh, not not very long, one of the quieter fire seasons on record, I'm grateful for that. Uh, but it was interesting to learn a little bit about how, how wildfire is budgeted in the province. Generally what's happened is um, at, at the time it was agriculture and forestry. Um, but now it's it's forestry and parks, but this all still applies. Uh, they have their their kind of baseline starting budget for wildfire, and then they would always deal with it in year. And that part of that was, you know, the wild swings in expectation of of what it actually costs to deal with wildfire in a given year. And what we saw this year was in our one and a half billion dollar contingency, uh, we spent uh, a little over half of it. Uh, fighting wildfire, over $750 million above the baseline budget of of uh, forestry and parks. So I think what you'll see, uh, given strong consideration this year, is that uh, we we 
learn learn from the past and, and with the expectations of what next year will bring. I could see strong consideration given to increasing the baseline budget for forest stream parks, uh, let them uh, hire hire more crews and hire hire them earlier in the season uh, without having to come back for contingency to try to deal with what we expect uh, is coming our way. So that's a that's a shift that I, I think will get strong consideration at, at Treasury Board. Uh, some of the other things that are happening also in Minister Lowen's ministry, um, there's been uh, funding that's been allocated in year in 23-24 in uh, to continue the, the work that was started during the emergency around fire guards, around, uh, uh, around you know, uh, wooded tree-lined communities that were, were in the way of the fire. And I think those programs will continue and probably um, probably be added to uh, a combination of, uh, of funds to get the project started and then maybe some to operate with the municipalities while they, they fire safe their communities. Uh, the fire safe program is a is a great one, um, and it uh, it requires partnerships. But it it's it's intention its intention is to bring down the risk for for individuals, individual property owners, but also for municipalities. So great great question, and I'm sure it, it's on the minds of many here, and it'll get a lot of consideration in budget 2024. Thank you, Minister Horner, and uh, thank you very much, Gail, uh, for that for that question. And um, I just wanted to to add in that uh, I'm from Northern Alberta specifically. I'm for, I grew up in a town, the town of Slave Lake. So um, this question hits uh, certainly close to home for me personally. I watched uh, in 2011 when you know the neighborhood I grew up in, uh, half of the town basically burnt down, and I was one of many people who were trapped uh, in a small cul-de-sac while the fire broke through on one side of our of our artery to get out of town so i understand the uh you know the trauma and the difficulties people have with dealing with wildfires and i would say i'm uh, you know i'm extremely proud to see not just our frontline workers but uh, i've seen it firsthand with the the community members that band together to help out the the communities that are displaced during during these wild this current wildfire season and it's it's uh it makes it really easy to see what you're fighting for on a daily basis when you see people work all day at their regular jobs and then volunteer to put cots out and deliver water uh, for strangers that they probably likely will never meet. Um, and then I also just wanted to make mention, Gail, that uh, I'm I'm very encouraged that um, Minister Dreeshin's ministry was was uh, increased not just from transportation, but to transportation and economic corridors. But I like to remind my colleagues and as many people as I can that uh, safety corridors is, is what another phrase that should be used for a lot of our roads in the more remote communities in northern Alberta. Just as an example, uh, East Prairie is a Métis settlement that the Premier and I both visited and uh, they, I think they lost between 20 and 30 homes. But uh, we're, we're looking into an alternative for them because um, they're one of those communities that have like a one-way out, one-way in type of type of corridor. So I think you asked a very important question and I definitely think our our government's uh, you know taking these considerations quite seriously. So thank you very much. And a big thank you to everyone who's participating so far. Um, I'll try not to ramble on too long in between questions so we can get through to as many of you that have uh, participated as possible. Um, we're gonna move on to our next question. We're gonna go to Josh in Alberta Beach. 
Uh, Josh, you're live. Please go ahead with your question. Hi there. Thank you for taking the question. Uh, you mentioned that the project you mentioned in your your preamble the projected drop of oil prices going into the future. Um, watching the news, watching everything else, the previous conservative government and this current conservative government seem to be very committed to the way the current energy sector uh, is, as it stands, very committed to oil. But does the province have any plan to diversify the energy sector or any other ways to incentivize diversification in order to future-proof the province? Yeah, thank you for the question, Josh. I think uh, I, I think we're we're seeing it we're seeing it happen in real time. I'd say as far as diversifying the the conventional oil and gas sector, I think if you look at the you know the announcement a few weeks back of the the Dow uh, the Dow announcement, the world's first uh, net zero uh, ethylene cracker, um, you know only one of these projects of this of its kind gets announced globally in a year um let alone their fir the first uh, net zero so i think uh that's part of the reason we're able to track that was through our our apip program it's um it's a program where you know we we are incentivizing investment but it uh to our calculations um when you when you bring in um all of the uh, added royalties, uh, expectations around increase in taxes. We think that it, it pays us back uh, by year three. Uh, so very defensible on the side of investment attraction. But I'd say more greatly to your question about diversifying the overall economy. You know, I think what we've what we've seen over the last couple of years, um, the tech sector. Uh, venture capital uh, has been almost doubling every year. I think we were at over 720 million um, last year. Uh, we continue continue to to make make announcements with with companies. I know in in what some of my previous roles in rural economic development, working with um, the minister of, of jobs and economy at the time, um, you know I can I can list off you know. So, so many projects outside of the oil and gas space. Uh, the de Havilland project for Wheatland County, where we're going to actually, um, you know, build planes and, and build de Havilland's uh, entire aviation business here in Alberta, where they're really uh, leaving two other Canadian jurisdictions and making Alberta home. Uh, but everything from, uh, you know, CGC um, choosing to make Alberta their Western Canadian hub for their uh, gypsum uh, wallboard manufacturing, um, all of the announcements in uh, in agri-food, um, the McCain's announcement, uh, really making that Highway 3 corridor uh, Canada's premium food corridor. So we we have a lot of uh, a lot of in, intentional uh, attention applied to every other sector. Um, like you said, uh, oil is expected to go down in the out years, and that's why we continue to have uh, a very wide lens when it comes to economic um, attraction. I should say that's that's something that's that's good to see. You know, you continue to see people and and companies uh, move with their feet and choose Alberta, and they're certainly not all oil and gas oriented. Uh, so I think uh, I think we're moving in the right direction and. Uh, Budget 2024, I'm sure, will uh, 
will continue to, to push us in that direction. Thank you, Josh. Uh, another great question there. And just a reminder to everybody, uh, if you would like to ask a question about the Alberta provincial budget, uh, press star three on your phone to let us know when you'd like to speak live on that call. We're going to move to uh, Rad from Edmonton for the next question. Rad, you're live. Please go ahead with your question for Minister Horner. Thank you. My concern is that these days there are lots of there is a lot of waiting time for surgeries and other specialized medical care. So when you step into a hospital, you see that there is more there is there is more and more there are more and more people waiting for like surgeries. And even when when you go to a family doctor, the wait times for a surgery has gone up very much. So I am concerned that the pressure on healthcare is has gone up very significantly. So I was worried about what can be done as a resolution for this, and I would like the minister to answer if there is any plan for this. Thanks for that question, Rad. Um, so, Minister Horner, I ju uh, just I think what Rad's trying to ask us is. Uh, what are we doing about wait times and high demand for healthcare services right now, and what can we do to improve them? Yeah, thank you for the question, Rad. Um, yeah, and this this gets a lot of attention uh, in cabinet, but also at Treasury Board. Health is our, obviously the largest piece of the pie when it comes to um, when it comes to our budget, and it's it's one that can continues to to grow as as you would expect. Healthcare is is more complicated than it's been in the past. It's more expensive. We have expensive uh, diagnostic tools um, and it's changed. People are, people are living differently and, and living longer. And, and although we're the youngest, um, the youngest population in the country, we're also aging the fastest. So it's something that we'll need to continue to, to take head on. Uh, I think it's a, it's a large, Part of Minister Lagrange and her and her healthcare focusing uh, to make sure that um, the resources can be put um, where they're needed. Um, we still have some some sincere labor challenges uh, in the space. Um, there's there's far more physicians uh, in Alberta than there was when when I was first elected in 2019. But the same problem persists. Uh, I would say they're they're not all in the right places. And that's a challenge when you have really a, a private um, a private sector business model built within our public sector um, health model. So it it gets a lot of attention. Uh, we're going to continue to do the work, uh, Rad, and continue to uh, create more uh, healthcare workers within the province uh, while attracting some from outside of the province. I think in budget 2023. Uh, we increased the um, the physician training seats in our post-secondaries by about 120. I think we increased the training spaces for uh, nurses and healthcare aides by about 1,800. Uh, so we're going to continue to try to you know build build these people here, but also um, bring them in uh, as much as we can to address some of these concerns. But a lot of it a lot of it is labor related. But thank thank you for the question. Very very pertinent and relevant question. Thank you for the answer, Minister, and, and thank you for the question, Brad. And um, 
just a reminder to everybody uh, that's listening. My name is Scott Sinclair. I'm the MLA for Lesser Slave Lake, uh, which is in Northern Alberta. So, um, you know, healthcare and access to, to physicians uh, is an important question uh, for my own constituents in my own riding. And I'm certainly uh, encouraged by a lot of the uh, a lot of the mechanisms that our government's currently announced and putting in place, uh, including a very important one where we've announced uh, a new deal with nurse practitioners. Um, this is specifically helpful for for some of the more remote communities where where it's always difficult to recruit and retain uh, physicians um, or just about any position, but specifically doctors. Um, and this way we have, you know, we're excited about the idea of getting some nurse practitioners to Northern Alberta because they can, you know, practice out, you know, a large scope of work sometimes. So, and they can help hopefully bridge the gap until, uh, until we can provide the, the healthcare that everybody deserves, you know, all over the province. Uh, we appreciate everybody participating from home and online. I'm going to try to keep it going here so we can get through as many questions as we can. Next, we have, Grace, uh, who submitted a question that I'm going to read on her behalf. Uh, Minister Horner, what does it mean to pay down the debt? What debt and who are we paying it to? Oh, thank you, Grace. Um, yeah, debt questions are very relevant right now. Um, so what is our debt? Our debt is currently Oh, it's it's about seventy-eight and a half billion, but it's projected to be, I believe, seventy-six point one billion if the surplus holds by the end of this fiscal year. Um, we intend to pay down about three point two billion uh, over this fiscal year. Um, who who do we owe it to? I think that was the second part of your question. So, what the way the way government. Uh, uh, takes on debt and and receives money when they need it is they release um, they release uh, bond issuances so we'll we'll release uh, bonds at different um, for different terms uh, common in um, in the Canadian capital market is is say uh, Alberta 10-year bonds or 30-year bonds uh, those are the, the most prevalent but we'll also um, expand that and uh, you know I think historically we've We've done um, uh, debt bond swaps, I, I think, in at least 14, 14 currencies. Uh, but that's that's how it happens. Who who owns the debt? Uh, generally, uh, pension plans, uh, other governments, um, different uh, uh, investment management agencies, hedge funds, and and the like. Uh, but most common. Um, most common uh, pension plans and other governments. So we'll we'll issue say uh, say we're going to issue a, a billion dollars in in bonds if we need to make uh, debt servicing or have cash requirements. Um, they'll go out over a specific term, and uh, the market will kind of dictate um, the the uh, interest terms on the certificate. A lot of that has to do with uh, our credit rating. Uh, but also how liquid we are uh, in the market. Um, our big challenge right now, and it's one Alberta hasn't faced, I, I don't believe, to this uh, scale and scope, is that we have to refinance about $26.7 billion uh, over the next three years. And so that's roughly a third, a third of our total taxpayer-supported debt. 
So I think seven and a half billion uh, is is due for refinancing this year, followed by six billion the year after, and then a huge debt stack maturing uh, in the last year, 25, 26 of 13.2 billion. So for every for every household that's had to to refinance or renew their mortgage, um, the the provincial government is very much feeling that pressure uh, as well. A lot of this debt. Um, would have been in 10-year bonds uh, from from the middle of the last uh, decade, and it would have been taken at uh, at 2% or slightly above. So we're truly seeing, you know, what's uh, coming in now at the mid fours, mid to high fours. So a, a doubling of these debt service costs. Uh, but that's that's really the the challenge, and why why I think our fiscal rules are important because it's it's very easy under our structure to you know when things are bad um like i witnessed in the last term you know we had we had oil go negative the capital markets froze we had three black swan events all in a row and uh we're forced to forced to borrow it's good to have some rules um on how to spend in the good years and make sure that there is uh you know, diligence and intention uh, for government around paying down some principal in the good years. And that's that's what the fiscal framework does. It, uh, it isn't a, a, a magic solution to help us pay down all of this debt in a hurry by any means, but it does ensure that in the good years, um, we pay down some principal, which I, I think is very important. But thank you for the question. Thanks again, Grace. Uh for that question, I think you're asking a question that a lot of uh, common sense regular Albertans uh, ask if they're not uh, uh, if they're not versed in, in financial in a financial background. I, I think a lot of people hear promises uh, in, in politics often about government spending, and I think it's important to acknowledge that uh, we're spending. Uh, taxpayers' money, your money, essentially. So um, we should be doing that as careful as possible. And, uh, you know, one of the easiest analogies, and Minister Horner made a great one with the mortgage, but, um, you know, if we have these these high debt payments, it's no different than having a credit card or a line of credit at home, and then the rates go up. So um, if the rates are, are high like they are right now, we're paying more in that debt service uh, to the tune, I believe, of, uh, you know, over $300 million. And that's money that could be well spent in, in other areas of need for all of Albertans. So great question, Grace, and uh, we appreciate that. We're going to keep it going here. Just as a quick reminder to anybody listening, uh, if you'd like to ask a question about Alberta's provincial budget, press star three on your phone to let us know when you'd uh, whether you'd like to speak live on the call. Um, we're going to go to another question. We're going to go to Rose in Leduc. Rose, you're live. Yes. Please go ahead with your question for yes. Minister Horner. Thank you. Um, uh, Minister Horner, uh, I found that you were just a bit vague when Anne asked about assistance for seniors, and I'm going to tell you why. Because if Anne is a widow like I am, I'm still living in my own home, I'm also a senior. But guess what? Because of the high utility costs, it's costing me over 900 a month just to keep my home. Now, you could say, okay, well, you own your home, you can sell it, and maybe you can go into assisted living or whatever. Have you ever looked to see about the uh, the waiting list for apartments, assisted living? It's, to me, like, I don't think 
like the utilities just about doubled for me. And if since I'm by myself, and I'm sure Anne is by herself too, it is really, really difficult. I'm lucky, though, that I have more than one pension. But anybody just living off of old age security, I don't know how they make it. And I know, you know, some of them are telling me they don't pay their utilities because they have to put food on the table. So you weren't, you know, when she said something about that extra $100 we got last year, believe me, that was a godsend. I even appreciated it. So I don't, you like I said, you weren't specific about any real assistance. So is there going to be any real assistance? Well, definitely, definitely appreciate your comment, and uh, do do understand where we're at in this process. So we have twenty some ministries that come forward to to Treasury Board and and in front of us to to give their proposals for what should be in this budget. Um, those decisions aren't made yet. We're having those deliberations now. That's why we're taking these calls to find out what's what's important to you uh, and Anne, and um, and hear from you directly. Um, I do, I do speak about the, you know, the capacity, the capacity that government has to directly help people. I'm, I'm very aware of the, the challenges around our high utility costs. We have a, a minister um, who's, who's specifically uh, trying, trying to tackle that challenge. And we're seeing, uh, you know, from market forecasts that it should be a lot a, a lot more affordable uh, next year. We have some different different uh, uh, power coming online that should be helpful. Um, but when I speak to the capacity of government, we, we speak about the affordability program that we rolled out last spring. Um, the total the, the the total amount of that program was about three billion dollars. So when you speak about you know what can be done, I'm I'm here to listen and and whatever you know policy ideas. Uh, people have, we'll, we'll take them back and make sure the ministers are aware of what we've heard tonight. Uh, but it is it is a challenge uh, to um, try to try to reach out and uh, and and make people whole. Government simply doesn't have the capacity. Um, but I would say, you know, there's there's things we've done around, you know, indexing Alberta's senior benefit and and some some other good work that happened in Budget 23. And like I said, for Minister Nixon and his team, I'm sure they'll be bringing forward a lot of uh, considerations and options as we move into into Budget 24. Uh, but I do think it's important, like like I like I told Anne, it's going to be important that government targets uh, targets the seniors that that need the help the most. Um, for most of our programming, I'm of the belief that uh, for those for those Albertans that are are well able to afford to pay their way, that uh, that they should. And that'll be able to make us target our programming and make it more impactful. But I appreciate your comments, and uh, and I will tell the minister what you told us tonight. But we're only only halfway through the process. That's why we're here. Thank you, minister. Uh, we're going to go to another question. Just a reminder: if you're listening all online, you can also submit a written question. We're going to go to Jody from Edmonton. Jody, you're live. Please go. Please go ahead and ask your question. Hey, Mr. Order, it's a pleasure to talk to you tonight. I've actually got a question, uh, and maybe a two-part question. Um, the first part being, um, is there any idea as to what's going to happen with the uh, provincial road tax? 
Uh, I know that your government has uh, suspended it um, to try to help uh, Albertans, um, which has been a huge help. I understand it has to go back on eventually to, to keep building and maintaining our infrastructure. Is there any suggestion as to where it's going at this point? Uh, great question, Jody. Uh, I'd say that uh, you're you're not wrong. It will have to come back. We made the decision to uh, to completely abate the tax to the end of this calendar year, so it's it's off until December 31st. Uh, it will come back January 1st, 2024. Um, to give listeners some idea of the uh, you know the quantum or, or what we're talking about here when we talk about the fuel tax it's about 1.4 1.5 billion dollars in in revenue to the province uh, that uh, you know it, it's one of the more uh, steady and consistent uh, taxes that we have um, and when you don't have a, a sales tax um, it, you know um, payroll tax health care premiums a lot of these other a lot of these other things that provide a lot of benefit to Albertans, um, the, the fuel tax is a steady source of, of income for the province. Like I said, it will come back January 1st, but it will come back with, with the linkage uh, to the price of oil. So in those, in those uh, instances where oil is above $80 um, going forward, Albertans will start to see relief. And in quarters where it's averaged over $90, the tax will fully come off again automatically. So we're keeping that linkage. Uh, you know, we, we think that's defensible for a, a few reasons. Um, most notably, you know, this is Albertans resource. So when, when royalties are increased because of the high price of oil, uh, it makes sense to provide that relief to Albertans, but also as everyone knows, when, when oil's high, so is the price of fuel. So what you'll see January 1st, most likely, judging by where WTI has been this quarter, is a, is a nine cent per liter uh, increase January 1. Uh, that's kind of a smoothing mechanism that's in the program. It can't, can't be the full 13 cents uh, in one shot. So that's, that's most likely uh, what you'll see January 1st, Jody. But thank you for the, thank you for the call. Great question, uh, Jody. For those joining us on the line, I'm Scott Sinclair, MLA for Lesser Slave Lake, and I'm here with Nate Horner, Alberta's Finance Minister, and we're talking about the province's budget. Uh, I'm going to go to the next question from Johnny in Sherwood Park, and I'm going to read it for Johnny. Minister, what can we expect in the next budget for education? Uh, thank you for the question, Johnny. I, I think education is going to get... Uh, a lot of time and attention uh, in our deliberations for budget 2024. Uh, you know, we we see the see the pressures with this population growth and enrollment growth. Uh, back to back to budget 2023, I think there was 58 new school projects that were announced uh, at some stage or another. Uh, some of that, some of that was just uh, you know design and planning, um, which which is important and will continue in the capital plan. Uh, as well as I think there was 820 million uh, in enrollment funding. Funding in this year, we've had to increase uh, within within uh, mid-year, you know, or within this fiscal year of, of 23-24, another 30 million dollars in unexpected enrollment increases. 
Um, there is about 128 million in funding in budget 23 for classroom complexities. So we'll continue to do this work with education. Um, it's a top priority for uh, cabinet and, and the premier. Uh, so I think budget 2024 will be uh, have have a lot to say about the importance of education and and class sizes and ensuring we continue to build schools around the province for all these kids. Great question, and thank you very much for the answer, Minister. Uh, we're going to go next to Rahul from Edmonton. Rahul, you're live. Please go ahead with your question for the minister. Um, this is more Rahul. I'm not sure if you're muted. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, my my question is related to the tech and innovation um, sector. Uh, what should we expect in the coming year? Uh, as you know, that tech is going to be the next boom and what is Alberta uh, doing in, in order to attract uh, uh, the mid-size and uh, small tech businesses in our province? Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the question, Raul. Uh, you know, it's one we have a, a minister of, of uh, technology and innovation who's, who's very much committed to the space. Um, that's kind of where where he came from in, a, in attracting attracting tech companies. Uh, like I told the previous caller, you know, we've seen, we've seen a lot of good work happen uh, over the last term to the point where, you know, our venture capital is, is setting records year over year about the attraction that we're seeing to the province. Uh, I think we're, we're seeing it uh, uh, Calgary and Edmonton specifically, but uh, beginning to take over a lot of that um, vacant uh, office space that, uh, you know the, the oil and gas sector is, is no longer using so i think it's uh, it's going to be a main a main piece of what uh, tech and innovation but also jobs economy and trade i'm guessing come to the table in budget 2024 but we should know we, we do have some good some good programs uh, in jobs economy and trade we have an investment um, investment and growth um, fund that you know works with uh, alberta Alberta, invest Alberta and Alberta innovates, innovates to uh, to bring in these companies and make sure they know Alberta is the place they should set up shop. So I think I think we'll see see more of that and just uh, building on the good news we've already already seen over the past term. But like I said, it continues to to set records year after year. Thank you very much, Rahul. Thank you, Minister, for the answer. Uh, just a reminder, if you're listening, to press star three on your phone to let us know you'd like to speak live on the call. We're going to go ahead and move on to Jaffe from Grand Prairie. Jaffe, you're live. Please go ahead and ask your question. Yes. Um, I've, I've worked around uh, not-for-profits for a long time and provided services to children. And every time we change, um, sometimes we we regionalize and then we centralize and then we regionalize and then we integrate services and then we pull them apart again. Every time that happens, that costs money. And um, I'm seeing it again with children's services and really worried about um, uh, the child advocacy report just talked of a 24% increase in child deaths 
And I think we've downgraded our frontline workers from needing uh, a degree in in social work to now a certificate. And we've changed the intake process, so we're opening fewer files. Can we look at getting more resources back into frontline child welfare work? And this is especially for the North. No, thank you. Uh, thank you for the call, Jassy. And I know, I know you're saying, especially in the North, I'm, I'm from, uh, I'm not from the North, but I'm from, I'd, I'd call it rural remote Alberta. And uh, yeah, take a lot of your comments to heart. Um, it's difficult to offer these services with, um, you know, the hub and spoke model. It's uh, it's a nice idea, and uh, we've had some successes, but there's obvious deficiencies still. Um, you know, we're we're trying our best. Uh, we've seen budget 23 increased operating um, by uh, I think a percent and a half per year to three billion in 25-26 for children's services. Um, indexed child and family benefit. Uh, also, a lot of investment around. Um, the $10 per day daycare by 2026, um, which isn't totally relevant, but it takes a, a big chunk of the resources from from that ministry and government if you're if you're going to go down that path. So I I take uh, I take all your comments as sincere, and I'm and I'm sure that uh, in our budget 24 deliberations, the Minister of Children's Services will uh, be bringing a lot of this to our attention. Uh, it is it is more difficult to provide these services um, in the outlying communities, and like you said, especially the north. Um, but yeah, we'll continue to continue to try to make it better. We definitely know there's a lot of of need in this space. I appreciate the question. Thanks for the answer, Minister. Uh, thanks for for the great question, Jaffe from Grand Prairie. And once again, if you're listening, I'm Scott Sinclair, MLA for Lesser Slave Lake. And uh, I'm also from Northern Alberta, and um, my wife actually worked in ch children's services for a while in, in our hometown of Slave Lake. So I fully understand that we have to find that uh, that compassionate balance between uh, good fiscal discipline and making Alberta an attractive place for for investment, but also using that money and and, and our revenues to be able to take care of people, uh, you know, that are less fortunate and of course our kids and our seniors so that's a great question Jaffe we're going to go go ahead and ask uh, the next question I'm going to read it and this is for Anthony from Fort McMurray Minister he wants to know how we will lower interest rates and what we can do to improve the standard of living especially with the price of things like groceries uh, thank you for the question Anthony and uh, yeah boy I wish I could single-handedly lower lower interest rates um, I'm glad to see that the Bank of Canada has maintained its 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 rate in November at their most recent uh, discussions and, and meetings. Um, you know, we we're seeing we're seeing inflation, you know, caused by by many things, the different global disruptions of the past couple of years. Um, but a lot of the a lot of the spending that that's happened at uh, at different levels of of government certainly. Have Pumped a lot of, of money into the system that wouldn't have wouldn't have otherwise been there. Uh, so we need to. I think as 
at all levels of government, we have to get serious about, uh, you know, making sure policies make life more affordable um, in the most practical sense. Um, this takes my mind uh, almost immediately to, you know, the carbon tax and the, the damage it's caused across the country, um, making life less affordable uh, for everyone with, with no uh, no real perceivable benefit when it comes to emission abatement. So uh, we'll continue to do that work with, uh, you know, across across different levels of government to advocate for practical practical policy. Um, but we need to uh, continue to work on the on the ground level with uh, Minister Nixon and other ministries as well to ensure that we're doing all all we can to. Uh, uh, to take care of our most vulnerable burdens while they're dealing with the challenges around uh, our most basic necessities. Um, but the best thing that we can do is, um, you know, try to keep taxes low, um, tax appropriately, spend appropriately, uh, pay down debt when you can, and uh, don't make the problem worse for ourselves. Thank you, Anthony. Great question, Anthony. Thank you very much. Uh, just as a reminder to anyone listening online, you can also submit a written question. Um, we're going to go to our uh, our next question and our next caller. It's from Bry Kosh in Edmonton. Bry Kosh, I hope I got your name right. You're live. Please go ahead with your question. Uh, it is Prakash in Edmonton. First of all, Mr. Horner, I'm very pleased that you're holding this kind of forum. It gives us a chance to talk to you and present our concerns. So I'm very pleased that you are doing this. My question is that the safety and security situation in the major cities, especially Edmonton and Calgary, is getting worse. Recently, a 52-year-old woman at the LRT station, she was sitting on a bench waiting for the train. Two 12-year-old girls have assaulted her so badly, she's in hospital in critical condition. Just two days ago, I heard Mayor Sohi and Chief of Police McPhee saying that we will allocate additional resources. My question to you, Mr. Horner, is, is the Alberta government going to give additional resources to the two major cities, because I'm 83 years old. I'm not exaggerating. I will be afraid to go downtown. If it can happen to a 52-year-old, if, if somebody knocks me down, I use a cane to walk. If somebody knocks me down, I may be badly hurt. So I'm not exaggerating. It is a genuine concern. And Mr. Horner, I'll appreciate what the Alberta government is doing to help with extra policing to prevent these random acts of violence happening, innocent citizens being attacked. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for the question, Prakash. Um, and it's a it's a timely one for sure. Uh, just today, Minister Ellis announced uh, 50 more cops for Edmonton. Um, he's continuing to work with with both of the of the big city mayors and the the province's uh, 
is is feeling the need to take a, a little more uh, control in this file just because we're seeing the actual the actual safety needs of of the citizens in the in the large centers. We put sheriffs on on major major transit. Um, peace officers are now under control of of Edmonton Public Ser Police Service or the Calgary Public Ser Police Service. So we're uh, we're trying to respond. Um, it's taking uh, a lot of, of resources um, that normally would have been put somewhere else, but um, it's a it's a fundamental uh, responsibility of government is to keep people safe. And obviously the uh, the addictions challenges uh, that we're seeing uh, in our downtowns are are amplifying this challenge. So it's very much uh, intertwined with the, the work in, in mental health and addictions. Um, but I think you've, you've never seen a, a minister committed like Minister Ellis is, a former police officer, a great relationship with, with all of the police services in this, in this province. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're committed to put more resources in and continue to make uh, life safe for everyone, including Uber Cash. And uh, yeah, no 83 year old should be scared to, scared to go outside. That's a, a sad state of affairs, but uh, you have our commitment. We'll, we'll do our best to, uh, to make it better and it'll get more than, more than enough consideration in budget 2024. Thank you very much, Minister, uh, for that candid answer. And thanks for the question again, Bukesh. Um, yeah, I just wanted to to add in that uh, I think it's important. I mentioned earlier that uh, my name is Scott Sinclair. I'm the MLA for Lesser Slave Lake, um, but I'm also Indigenous, and I understand that Indigenous people are disproportionately affected by, you know, our mental health and addictions, and and also, um, you know, inside of our in our jails and our rehab centers. But I think it's it's very important to make clear to all of Albertans that, uh, you know, our government believes in the recovery model and we're investing heavily in the resources there. But we also believe fundamentally all Albertans, families, seniors have the fundamental right to common sense safety. And um, we need to try and uh, advocate to get Bill C-75 repealed on the federal side so we can keep uh, bad people behind behind bars. Um, while simultaneously trying to work on all the other uh, root causes of some of these challenges. But I uh, appreciate re a really great question. And we're going to go to uh, Dawn now in Sherwood Park. Um, before we go to Dawn, I just want to remind people to press star three on your phone to let us know that you'd like to speak live on the call. Dawn in Sherwood Park, uh, you're live. Please go ahead and ask the minister your question. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. As a senior, I paid into local authority pension plan for 30 years. I get that money now. And, okay, if you're going to bring in Canada pension and old age, how is that going to impact me? Are you going to take money out of AIMCO and say, well, you don't need this much pension because we have to pay down our debt? Uh, thank you. Thank you for the question, Don. Um, so no, uh, these things aren't aren't connected. Um, you mentioned that you paid into to LAP or or LAPP. Uh, so if if Albertans did choose that they wanted us to pursue an Alberta pension plan, um, we've made we've made clear, you know, both in numerous statements, but also actually legislated it this fall. 
than any assets withdrawn uh, from CPP to form an APP uh, could and would uh, only be used for the setup and operation of an Alberta pension plan. So that would be entirely separate from uh, what you've paid into LAPP. Uh, you mentioned old age security. Um, that would stay as is now as a, as a federal program. Um, any, any changes to uh, old age security would only happen if there was uh, an increase in benefits on an Alberta pension plan. It would, it would tweak, uh, tweak the formula for your, uh, your pensionable earnings, uh, but only slightly. So no, totally separate and no, none of the assets from the asset withdrawal could be used for anything other uh, than the setup and operation uh, of the plan. But th thank you for the question. Thank you very much, Minister. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go to uh, Charlie in Cherry Point. Charlie, you're live. Please go ahead and ask the Minister your question. Sorry, I think we were just having technical difficulties there. I think we lost Charlie. Uh, Charlie, we're going to, you can go ahead and call back in, but we're going to move on to Helen from Grimshaw. Helen, you are live and on the line with Minister Horner. Go ahead and ask your question. Helen's busy, but I'll be reading for her. You mentioned money for teachers and schools. My question is, why is nothing allocated to bus drivers? We are trying to bargain, and I've been told zeros over the next term of our contract. We drive the future and don't make a livable wage. Okay, thank thank you for the question. Um, well, I'd say you know I don't don't want to get into you know any bargaining specifics between uh, anyone and their and their employer. I'd say you know we 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 fund we fund the employer, but uh, you know all of those negotiations are between those two parties. I'd say we did announce uh, we did announce 20 million in funding uh, for two school boards to help manage uh, their own own fleets. Um, you know, budget 2023. Don't have it uh, in front of me, but it increased the uh, student transportation uh, portion of the budget by by over 400 million dollars. So I, I think uh, you know student transportation, both on the the, the cost side uh, to operate uh, the fleets, but also obviously for the people driving them, uh, should be a, a major concern for for all of all of our school boards. Um, and I think the average age of a the average age of a bus driver in this province is maybe something like 67. I, I sat on a student transportation task force once upon a time, and it was a, it was alarming, and uh, lots of vacancies, lots of challenge to fill these positions. So I would think that uh, you would certainly have that, have that in your back pocket as you negotiate um, with with the school divisions. Uh, it's a very sought after uh, skill set you have, and uh, not everybody's uh able to commit the time it's it's kind of a it's kind of a day wrecker as a job early mornings and and uh, you know the middle middle of the day wrecked and then you have to be back there to pick up the kids so i see see it in my community and see the see the challenges but uh uh i'm sure i'm sure your school division uh, and school board sees it too and uh 
certainly certainly wish you wish you all the best in in that but it's uh it's something that i'm sure they'll see the value in because it's uh there's shortages all across the province Thank you very much, Minister, for the for the answer there. And uh, we're I just want to quickly remind everyone. Um, I'm Scott Sinclair. I'm the MLA for Lesser City Blake. I'm here with uh, Minister of Finance Nate Horner, and we're talking Alberta's provincial budget. Thank you very much for being so patient with us. And uh, just a reminder to press star three on your phone if you'd like to speak live on the call. We're going to go ahead to our next question, Sharon in Edmonton. Uh, Sharon, you're live. Please go ahead with your question. Uh, I thank you for the call and the opportunity and the process that you're using. Um, we have a group of uh, us that meet now and then, and of course politics comes up in that little social outing. Uh, the biggest priority coming from our little group was around hospitals in rural areas and how many of those hospitals over the years have uh, almost literally disappeared or have been downgraded. Now, I have a list, and mostly it pertains to central region. Uh, Red Deer, uh, we think that, you know, the expansion of that is long overdue, and it would really take the pressure off like Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, Bashaw used to have a hospital, and it's now just a little medical center. I understand that Daysland has been downgraded. I believe that, uh, I understand, too, that Wainwright was also in the slot for some improvements, but was downgraded. Sherwood Park was originally scheduled for a full-blown hospital, and it was downgraded. That's a few years back now. And Stetler. And the other one that I heard about, just hanging here in the background, was High Prairie, I understand, has been downgraded. I'm sure there's other places in the province, but I just wondered if uh, there's any consideration or finances set aside or discussions with the federal government in terms of increasing funding for rural Alberta. Oh, thank you for the question, Sharon. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with, with where I'm from or the riding I represent, but um, I represent Drumheller Statler. Uh, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Statler. They've had a few service disruptions here lately, and it all comes down to, um, you know, not having the available staff uh, to keep the appropriate services open. But I can assure you that it gets far worse as you go east from Statler. Um, you know, it's it's been uh, it's been a challenge well, for as long as I can remember. You know, healthcare and we call it the three C's, but. Um, Castor concert and coronation, and it continues to get more and more challenging. I'm hopeful that um, part of the health refocusing will allow us um, to be a little more intentioned in, in making sure that uh, we have the right people in the right place. Um, there is a shortage of these healthcare professionals overall, and like I told some previous callers, you know, we're working on. We're working on build, bringing them in. We've we've signed deals with the Philippines and other uh, individual uh, countries, uh, but also increasing um, seats and spaces uh, to create everything from a healthcare aide, nurse practitioner, nurses at all levels, physicians, um, changing and working with nurse practitioners to increase their scope and actually allow them to have uh, individual uh, patient pools. And hopefully they can they can help us fill in some of these gaps, especially in in rural Alberta. 
Um, today, um, Minister Lagrange announced uh, a new modern health facility uh, in Beaver Lodge. Um, they're taking a little different approach. One of one of the reasons, uh, in my estimation, that Minister Lagrange is so so committed to the healthcare refocusing is the the frustration in the in the time. Um, it takes to build capital projects in healthcare. Um, I haven't been here long, uh, but I've, I've been here since 2019, and uh, I've sat around Treasury Board and seen healthcare projects that, you know, first time around they're 900 million. You see them a year later, they're 1.4 billion. Then they're 2 billion. Um, continue to see scope creep changing the the expectations and size of, of the uh, projects uh, and to the point where you just uh, nothing nothing gets done or built so we need some we need some standardization I'd say on the on the capital side of healthcare um, we're getting very efficient and good at building schools and part of that is because we have some standardized plans um, they know the design in, in and out um, they limit the amount of uh, of changes that can be made, and so we're we can consistently, um, from design to completion, build schools within three to four years. And that same approach needs to be taken with healthcare. Um, but circling back to the the heart of your question, um, all of these shortages are due to shortages of people, and so we need to attack that on all fronts. And uh, obviously, fundings. Funding's part of that. More people means means more resources will need to be deployed. But that's certainly some a place that we're uh, more than willing to to go. So thank you for the question. Thank you, Minister, for the answer. Uh, that's a, an, another great a great question there. That's definitely top of mind uh, for all Albertans. And and certainly uh, you mentioned High Prairie. That's that's in my home riding of Lesser Slave Lake, and it's definitely. Uh, not without its challenges right now in terms of uh, access to doctors and healthcare services being delivered. So just another reason why our uh, Minister Lagrange, our Premier and our entire government's uh, refocusing on healthcare and, and why it's so important to try improving patient outcomes. Uh, so I'm, once again, folks, thank you very much. We have a gentleman, George from Edmonton, who's been waiting very patiently uh, on the line for us. George, I'm hopeful you're still there. Uh, and if you are, George, you have the minister, go ahead with your question. Hi, Minister. I'm wondering, with the cost of inflation in the housing market and at the grocery store and the cost of living going up, what's being done to help lower the costs for those who are low income and have to rely on the food bank and those that may not even be able to ever be any plans to afford any homes in the future. So my question is, what's being done to help lower the cost of inflation in in Alberta? Thank you, George. And um, I want to especially thank you. I understand you've waited on the line quite some time, so I appreciate your your commitment to, to asking this important question. Um, I'll try to you touched on a few different things, so I'll try to answer it in a few different ways. Um, when you when you talk about what are we doing for you know the most vulnerable Albertans, you know I, I would circle back to 
the groundwork that we laid in budget 2023. Um, we indexed uh, all of our major social programs, um, you know, from age to PDD to uh, families uh, with children with severe disabilities. Um, and that's not inconsequential. These are huge, huge programs um, in the billions with uh, steep trajectories uh, into the future and, uh, and waiting lists. Um, so a, a lot of resources in, um, in seniors, community and social services uh, was directed, um, directed toward those in budget 2023. And, and when you're, when you're indexed, you are trying to provide, you know, some safeguards against inflation, obviously. Um, you also touched on, on housing. So I think that uh, there's a few, a few things that's happening in Alberta. Uh, obviously, we had an Alberta's calling, uh, you know, campaign to try to to bring people to the province, um, and and we a lot of that campaign was built around our affordable housing um, comparative to the rest of the of the country. Uh, come here, seek opportunity, seek a job, um, and we've we have since uh, we've since quit that campaign. We think uh, Alberta called and many many answered, uh, but it has. It has uh, taken up a lot of the vacancies. The housing market's very tight. Um, we're happy to see that uh, housing starts have have really taken off. Uh, I think Alberta, uh, last month we saw a record for Alberta for housing starts. And we, we have an advantage in a lot of regards uh, over the other provinces in you know, our, our two major cities. Uh, don't have a lot of physical barriers. They're not against the right against the mountains, or they're not surrounded by water like you'd see in many of the major cities uh, across the country. So we we have an advantage that we can we can still spread out, but also also build up. Uh, so we think that's a, a competitive advantage over the other provinces. Um, you know, we we did things like uh, freezing uh, education property taxes in budget 2023. Um, we abated the fuel tax. Um, we've mentioned the the affordability payments from from last year. So we're trying to uh, put a lot of our resources into to making life more affordable while while keeping people's uh, taxes low and increasing and indexing the basic personal exemption, which is higher than than anywhere else in the country. Um, so those those things continue, and we'll obviously look for. Um, ways we can help. Uh, no government's ever, you know, tried to deal with the real challenges on the ground, like funding food banks. But we're we're doing that, and we've we've done it more than once, and we'll continue. Um, so we're trying to we're trying to deal with the the high level challenges. Um, obviously, affordable housing, um, government will always play a role in, and I'm sure Minister Nixon's going to bring a lot of different policy ideas. Uh, to uh, our budget 24 deliberations, but uh, no, it's a it's a big challenge, George. And I just want to once again thank you for your great question and for um, staying on the line as long as you did. And I'll tell the minister, I'll tell the minister you called and asked them. It's uh, all very relevant. Thank you, Minister. Thanks again, George, uh, for your patience and, and to everybody listening and, and calling in tonight. Uh, we appreciate. Uh, the passion, the commitment, and 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 the respectful candor we've had this evening. We've got uh, just over 10 minutes to go here, but we're going to try to get through as many questions as we can here, folks. 
We're going to go to Wanda in Edmonton. Wanda, you're live. You can go ahead with uh, your question for the minister. Sorry, this is for Wanda from Devon. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. Um, I'm a single mom with a daughter with disabilities, and I also run a program for families of children with disabilities. And um, a lot of the things that I'm seeing, especially with single moms, is, again, it revolves around the affordability issues. But um, these parents are taxed to the limit with kids that can't walk, can't talk, need diapering, um, need somebody with them 24-7. And I know I, I can hear throughout the call there's so many needs, like seniors, kids, fires, education, affordability, um, health care, and I know it must be so challenging to balance everything, but I really feel like lately, especially, that the most vulnerable people are the ones that are suffering the most. And um, like, for example, I have some friends who are quite wealthy and well off, and, and the pricing of gas and heat and food hasn't really affected them in the same way that for example, a single parent with a disabled child who needs special care, um, they're just under a, a major stress. And I'm just wondering what the budget looks like for that. Well, I very much appreciate the, the call and the commentary, Wanda. And I'm, I'm not going to not going to repeat uh, some of what I've said around the indexing of these important social programs that happened in Budget 2023. Um, so the way our the way our process works, I'll just uh, kind of repeat that for the listeners. You know, we're we're taking this call now to make sure that uh, you know me and my staff are are you know being available to Albertans broadly, but also you know hearing hearing these important calls that we can take back to the to the ministers. Uh, the ministers come to us with their um, proposals for budget 24, whether it's programming dollars or capital, and uh, like you said, we we try to put it all on the table and look at the look at the trade-offs. You know, are you are you uh, funding something at the expense of something else, and and what truly truly is important? So, you're not wrong. It's a great challenge, and i I do hear um, I do hear the sincere uh, need and, and vulnerability of of many, and it's it's not lost on us. So. I'm sure Minister Nixon and his team will, will bring forward a lot of different uh, ideas for consideration around policy, you know, capital um, programming, and uh, it'll be given strong, strong consideration. We know it's a, it's a great challenge for many. And, and something you mentioned about uh, your, you know, your friends that are, you know, reasonably uh, well off and you don't feel like they've been impacted to the same tune. I, I don't disagree. And that's why, um, I'll probably take some heat for this, but I, I think most of our programming um, should be income tested. Um, we we use broad terms like seniors, and and if you if you're looking at this like a, like an economist, and you looked at our seniors uh, broadly on paper, they're some of the most wealthy in the world. Um, but I think the important thing is to um, make your programming impactful for the people that need it the most, and. Um, no, that's something I strongly believe in and, and try to bring up around policy discussions in this regard. Uh, but thank you for the question. And 
like the like the caller before, we'll make sure we we have this conversation with uh, Minister Nixon. But thank you very much. Thank you, Minister. Uh, thanks again, Wanda, for listening and for your question. Uh, we're going to try zipping through a couple more of these, if we can. We're going to go to Alan from Green Valley. Alan, you're live. Ask the minister your question. Yeah, mine is uh, rural rural fire departments. Okay, uh, training and handling of forest fires. Uh, what I propose is 2024, year one, because we only have three months or so before the fire season starts, we send out a paper package to each fire department so they can do some training of their individual people. I think year two going forward, we should probably by then start initiating a proper course for everyone to take and part of the necessary training. Thank you. No, thank you very much for the uh, the idea and suggestion, Alan. Um, we'll we'll take that back to Minister Lowen and have a, a conversation uh, with him in that regard and tell him what you told us here tonight. Uh, I'm not entirely sure um, what is done uh, currently, but I I will find out. Sounds like a like a reasonable suggestion. Thank you for the call. Thank you very much. Uh, next, we're going to go to uh, Dwayne in Edmonton. Dwayne, you're live on the air. Uh, you can go ahead and ask the minister your question. Dwayne, I'm not sure if you're on mute or not, but uh, yeah, if you are, you can unmute and you're live. Yes, I'm sorry. I've got a question. Oh dang! Well, fine Go then. Ahead, yes, um, uh, I know, uh, Mr. Horner. There, that, that you know, it's easy for them to. Uh, oh, we're going to pay off our deficit, right? With uh, with uh, our surplus. Me, me, me. Uh, I've been. Uh, you know, you use the surplus to pay the deficit. Great. I use myself, I use dog tails, minimum payments, no visiting family, talk my way for a bus ticket, et cetera, et cetera. I have a roof over my head. Why not take some of your surplus to help me catch up on my bills before it's too late? No, thank you for the call, Dwayne. And uh, hey, I, I get it. I get it. No, it's, it's, it's tough out there and I, I can understand how when people see a, a big number like uh, a surplus in the billions that, you know, they they would want to say, hey, how about how about you do something to help me in the here and now? Because I'm, I'm making tough choices and having a hard time. And, and that's totally fair. And uh, and if we if we land uh, this surplus and future surpluses, that's what our fiscal framework allows us to do. What it tells us is that half of the cash uh, has to go to debt repayment, but the other half uh, can be used uh, for more debt repayment or investment in the Heritage Fund, or maybe more relevant to this conversation in one-time spends. So things like the affordability payments that were rolled out uh, last year um, would fit under this model. So if uh, if the premiers um, if, the, if that's the direction the premier and cabinet want to go, that they want to uh, do that, they'll they will have that option under this formula. 
but back to the the heart of the question you know under our under our uh, revenue uh, model you know we we have a lot of advantages in alberta we uh we have about a 20 billion dollar um tax advantage over any other province um but what that means is we're highly highly susceptible to changes in the price of oil and there will be there will be moments when we're forced to borrow and so what the fiscal framework does is ensure that there's moments moments when we're forced to pay down some principal and uh and without that i think uh it would be very difficult uh, to keep things on track and just like i mentioned earlier about the doubling of the interest rates so you know to put that in perspective you know something that was costing us 20 million dollars per billion is now costing us 50 you know we're we're talking about uh a line item that quickly grows uh larger than um some very important ministries like it, i think it's currently uh we're currently on pace to pay about 3.15 uh, billion in interest uh this year like we said, up 309 million from budget. Um, so bigger than mo- bigger than most of our ministries. Uh, so that, that's why it's important to to pay attention and and uh, there'll be consideration to all of these things and get everything on the table. But it's something that uh, you know we're we're focused on ensuring that there's uh, some moment when when it's uh, necessary for the government to pay down principal. Thank you, Minister, and uh, thanks again, Dwayne, uh, for the question. I think we can all hear the the passion uh, in your voice, and I think that's why it's so important that we have these discussions with regular Albertans, and uh, that way we can, as government, uh, make informed decisions uh, by the people and for the people. I think we've got time for one more question, so we're going to go to Don and Carbon. Uh, Don, you're live. You can go ahead and ask the Minister the question. Thank you, gentlemen, for this uh, talk on the uh, connection <laughs> with everyone in Alberta. And uh, my question is, uh, if the moratorium is going to be lifted on uh, the cleaner energy, such as wind power and solar power, and if there's going to be an investment um, into that more uh, to stay with the times and to, because we can't rely on oil and gas forever. So I was just wondering if. Uh, what's happening there with the financial money. No, thank you, Don. Yeah, it's it's our expectation. I can't remember the exact date, but I think it's in February. Um, the pause will be, be lifted, and I expect Minister Newdorf, our affordability utilities minister, will, will probably uh, come to a podium sometime before that and explain um, explain whatever changes uh, they plan on bringing forward. Um, something I would just say in this regard is that, uh, you know, I, I think not many Albertans understand that three quarters of all of the renewable projects that were built in Canada last year were built in Alberta. Like we're not uh, we're not laggards in any way in this space. Um, we've we've truly been leaders. A lot of that has been with help from from the Tier Fund. Um, we continue to. Uh, to kind of pave the way. The challenge has been that with the um, proliferation of, of renewable power um, at the same time that we have uh, our coal uh, coming off 
somewhat prematurely, it's created quite a challenge in the marketplace. So I think that that, that could be some of the places Minister Newdorf is looking to address because our, our number one priority is creating uh, affordable, affordable electricity uh, for Albertans. Um, we've heard on this call a lot tonight just how important affordable utilities are for people and with the cost of everything uh, going up, it's it's been uh, a major burden for many to carry. So that's that's Minister Newdorf's goal. Uh, we'll continue to be leaders in this space, uh, no doubt. Uh, but thank, thank you for the call tonight, Don. Thank you, Don. And uh, once again, I want to thank everyone for, for listening and everyone for waiting very patiently and for all the respectful discussions we've had regarding budget 2024 here. And um, I'm going to turn the floor over to Minister Horner before we close for the evening. And thank you again, Minister, for having me. And thank you for answering all the questions. Sorry, I've just got the minister right here, and I apologize if we didn't get to your questions tonight, uh, but uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Scott, and uh, thanks to everyone for joining in this discussion. Uh, I know the government has come to you for your thoughts on so many issues lately. That's because we want to hear your voices and consider your suggestions. Alberta's budget can seem daunting. We're talking about how billions of your hard-earned dollars should be divvied up to help Albertans, communities, and businesses. It's a difficult conversation when so many are struggling with their own household finances. I appreciate you taking the time to participate in the discussion. Alberta's government is working hard to not only make ends meet and balance the budget, we're also working hard to make sure our fiscal choices today help create a sustainable future for our kids. That's what a resilient economy means. It means we're creating opportunities and jobs today and providing you the top quality public services you deserve. And it means we're planning for the future so the next generation doesn't have to carry our debt burden or struggle to find enough resources. So thanks again for staying on the phones or joining me online. Your voice is important as we head into the holidays to recharge and begin plans for the new year. We will continue to make strong fiscal choices so every Albertan can take part in our economic prosperity. Uh, thank you again for taking the time to join us on the call tonight and have a Merry Christmas. And maybe just one more time, just some kind of a housekeeping item. All the feedback we collected this evening will be considered as we prepare for budget 2024. Uh, if you would like to provide further input, please visit the budget 2024 consultation page on alberta.ca slash budget consultation and complete the web survey, which is open for another month until Friday, January 19th. Uh, on behalf of Scott and I, thanks again for being part of this evening tonight, this event tonight, and enjoy the rest of your evening.